Hi folks, this is Bud Hughes, and it's time to raise the door on another edition of Bud's Garage. Hang on, you're now part of the fastest hour in radio, presented by Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and more. Locally owned family businesses with over 120 years of combined experience. CarQuest nationally branded auto parts and warranties, and Oakwood Tire's wide selection of the best tire brands available. Local professionals to help you find the parts or tires you need, help you get them installed, and back on the road with a smile. Find out more at completeautoparts.net or oakwoodtire.com. On today's show, a guest co-host. Larry McReynolds reviews Daytona and previews this weekend's Atlanta NASCAR race, and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and a guest host. Right now, Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk, WDUN. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Brad Ocock, uh, chief cook and bottle washer for the Northeast Georgia Swap Meet. Um, Brad, you're, you're filling in for Tim today because he couldn't be here, and we uh, really appreciate it. So. I thank you for having me. I enjoy this. How you doing? I'm doing all, all things considered. I'm doing very well. Well, that's good. All right. As I already explained, uh, Larry McReynolds from Fox Sports is going to be on the uh, is going to explain the importance of the Daytona 500 from a team's perspective. And then he's going to talk to us about the uh, rest of the 2024 NASCAR season uh, that starts this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And I recorded that uh, a week ago because uh, that's the only time I could get Larry Mack on the phone. So uh, you're going to have an easy day today. Outstanding. I'm all for an easy day. All right. But before before I turn the rest of the show over to you, let me explain what I did. The rest of the show over to me? Yeah, the rest of the show is yours. Uh, And and beyond. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, What I normally do is put all, you know, do all my research and and figure out where the notes go with segments and all Mm -hmm. that. I've seen that. So I sent you like 11 segments. I sent you like 11 articles and I said, yes, you pick them out. Yes. And every time I have ever been in here, I've seen your pile of uh, topics and I've seen you go through like two of them. I have a pilot's license. (laughs) Pilot here, I pilot there. But anyway, before I turn on the rest of the show or before I turn the show over to you. I want to talk about the weather for a moment. All right, we've had snow, we've had rain, we've had beautiful sunshine, but I want to address driving in the rain. Just a few things I noticed while, you know, trying to stay alive in the rain. Leave yourself some extra time and slow down. Throw your phone in the back seat and pay attention to what you're doing. Treat all the puddles like they're a foot deep, especially those that are cascading down hills. Yes. Uh, you know, move over to the left. Uh, for, for once, you move over to the left. Stay out of people's yeah. way and, and drive offline, as they say, on the racetrack a little bit. Uh, and turn on your lights. Here in Georgia, it's the law. It is the law in Georgia to turn no, your lights boy, out. But there's a lot rains. of people that don't do it. And make sure your traction control isn't turned off. The traction control is the little sig- uh, sign that you see on your dash. It's got a little car with two squiggly marks behind it, which means it's just lost control, I guess. But the default is normally your traction control is on. Make sure the kids or you or the purse haven't pushed that button off. And my, like my newest vehicle is yeah. 2002, so that's... You don't have to worry no, about it. No, never. You just have to be able to drive. Exactly. That's why we have traction control. Yes. So, uh, if you can... Now, this is one I'd never heard of before, but this is a real good suggestion from whoever in their cubicle wrote this. If you can, turn off your start-stop engine button. You know, a lot of the new cars, yeah. when you stop, they shut off. Yeah, the off. engine shuts off. Yeah, well, Bud disconnected his. But most I've, other vehicles, yeah. you know, stop and, and you know, then you got it, and they restart automatically when you uh, push on the gas pedal, the air pedal. 
And uh, in case you get in a really deep water situation, what I'm thinking is like a viaduct. Mm-hmm. You know, you're driving, and the yeah. water is maybe a foot high or something, but yeah. you got enough vehicle to make it through there. Yep. All right. That's fine. But if your vehicle shuts off partway in the middle of something like that, and you get more water, yeah. then, it, then if the car tries to start itself, it's going to try to suck the water into the engine. And if it does, it does something that we call hydrauliking your yeah. engine. You cannot compress liquid. Nope. And boy, it makes a mess of your engine. So oh, it does. I, I'd never thought about that before. I never thought about that. But then again, I don't drive through the viaducts, you know. When no, and I don't. Uh, I would also disconnect the, the automatic oh, yeah. stopping. I yeah. always wonder how long the. Uh, I mean, you've got a. It's a mechanical starter. You have, it has to have a limited number of oh, starts yeah. in its yeah. lifespan. So, yeah. what are the. How much are they shortening the life of your starter? By, in terms of years. A lot, I would think. I would think so, too. And I would guess those starters cost a little more. They probably do. Like everything else. Yes. Okay, the rest of the show is yours. Oh, boy. What would you like to talk about next? Uh, actually, um, well, one thing, back to the, uh, the, this is a funny little story about driving in the rain. Oh, okay. When I lived down in Florida, we'd always have the rainy season and we would have the drier season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew a body shop owner. I knew a couple of body shop owners down there, and they said that, when they would get the first rain of the new season, oh yeah, their business went through the roof because, because all the oil is on the road. Yeah, well, everybody forgot how to drive in the rain. Oh yeah, and yeah. they just had nothing but front end and rear end collision damage. Yep. for weeks. Well, so I always thought that was interesting. And as soon as I heard that, I was I, I actually at that point started paying attention to nobody knows how to drive in the rain. Yeah, growing up in Ohio in Michigan, yeah. it was snow. We didn't know how to drive in the snow, but we could. You know, kind of figure out rain throughout the year, but the first yeah. snowfall was. Oh, it's scary around here too. Well, because <laughs> you know, when you live up north, snow starts as snow. Yes. When you live here, it starts as rain. And then yes, it becomes ice. Exactly. And then it becomes snow. And exactly. then it's just a mess. All right. So, what else tripped your trigger of all these these articles that I sent you? Uh, actually, I like the uh, the one about dielectric grease because that's something that nobody ever really thinks about. Really. And, and in I am uh, embarrassed to say that of all the. The wrenching and hot rodding and stuff that I've done, I'm I I actually don't think that I even have a tube of dielectric uh, grease in oh, my shop because you don't have anything newer than what you say 2002. D- yeah, 2002. Yeah, so you don't have anything with weather pack connectors. I mean, you I probably do now. Well, uh, yeah, the 2002's got some weather packs on it. All right. Well, we've done we've done WD-40, we've done PB blaster. Dielectric grease is sometimes called tune-up grease. It's an electrical insulator and a lubricant. You could use it on the the little, uh, oh, little pad that used to be on your points, mm-hmm. you could use it on that as, as a lubricant. Yeah, see, I silicone in it. never thought of that. I first became associated with uh, dielectric grease back in the HEI days, the mm-hmm. high-energy ignition yeah. systems, where General Motors had the, the, the coil in the cap, and you right. used the grease on that little, uh, little rubber button. button that went in there. Yeah. And that would keep the energy where it's supposed to go instead of letting it escape. Yeah. And what you would do is put a little bit of a touch of it on the rotor because the um, contacts inside that cap were spaced so far apart. Mm -hmm. If you got a little bit of that on each contact, you know, on the first time you fired the car up, you would would stop spark scatter. That's interesting. Yeah. Because they were bad about burning caps up with, you know, it was was like welding inside the cap. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the caps were worse than others, like that goofy spider cap that. Yep, uh, yep, yep. GM and then had. and then we got to the point where uh, 
you know, you used it on spark plugs and stuff like that on the boots. Yeah, and when that's... When we started when we started putting all those heat shields and stuff on, it would cook the boots. And yeah. You couldn't get them off the car. Yeah, and I've, you know, I actually have the fancy boot pullers. Oh, so do I, yeah. And I use those, and uh, again, I'm embarrassed to say it, never occurs to me to put a dab of dielectric grease on the on the spark plug end when I put the boots back well, on. That, that's what dielectric grease is all about. I, I know, and I have actually ripped off the connector out of spark plugs. Oh, yeah. I had to make my own yeah, wires yeah, again. Yeah. So. No, I use it on spark plug boots, uh, battery terminals, electrical connectors, any of your weatherproof connectors, headlight I, and lamp sockets. I saw that and in the in the notes and uh, in the article that you, you tagged me on there. And uh, the other thing that I saw was in fuses. And yep. I never, never in a million years would have thought to put it on fuses, even though uh, on my 2002 Jeep Grand Cherokee, the, uh, you need a, a pair of needle nose pliers to, to get pull out, out some of the. Yeah. And when you pull them out, they've got a little bit of corrosion on them. There and they lock go. in there. There you go. So I guess I will be greasing my we fuses will get you this a weekend. Tube. That's your bonus yes. for the day. Woohoo! All right. Talking of uh, restoring uh, cars and pulling plugs apart and all that kind of thing, if you're restoring a classic muscle car, where are you going, Brad? I'm going to year one. Yes, you are. Uh, they are the professional classic car restoration folks, keeping America performance live. Alive. They are now in Cornelia, Georgia. Yes, they are. And uh, they've got the showroom right next to the warehouse, which makes things real easy. Yep. And uh, if you've got a classic car, you need parts, you just need to give them a call and check them out at yearone.com. All right, you got some more stuff to, uh, to uh, get with us here? Well, I'm, I'm sort of a... Uh, uh, I'm kind of a political junkie. Okay, and, and so we'll, we'll get to that, that in just a minute stuff, then, yes. okay? All right. We'll be right back here, Bud's Garage on North Georgia's new stock, WDUN. Always here, always local. Welcome back into Bud's Garage, presented by all three locations of Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and more. Locally owned, nationally backed, and happy to serve you. Our next guest is America's crew chief, two-time Daytona 500 winner, and he is now a Fox Sports NASCAR broadcaster. That would be our friend, Larry McReynolds. Larry, welcome back into Bud's Garage. Oh, thank you for having me. I always enjoy hanging out with you. Well, 2024 Daytona 500 is in the books. Um, You've won a couple. Your son almost won this one with Ross Chastain, uh, your son being his spotter. How does a team's outcome at the finish affect the rest of their season from this race? Well, it never hurts to leave Daytona with a solid run, maybe even a trip to victory lane like we saw William Byer and Rudy in fourteen. But I think drivers, crew chiefs, everybody knows that it's it's not really relative to how your season's gonna go. Right. And, and I've seen a tale of two takes. When we won there in nineteen ninety two with Davey Allen and Robert Yates racing a twenty eight car, we left there it's almost like we could go wrong. I think probably a month and a half before we even had to finish outside the top five. Right. But now with the three car and Dale, Dale Earnhardt in 1998 won it. And when we left there, we moved on to Rockingham and Richmond and Atlanta. We like we didn't even know how to put the race car because, you know, just we just were not in sync. But it's never a bad thing to leave there with some momentum, some confidence, some energy. Uh, but it's... I think everybody knows now a little different this year because for the first time that I can remember, we're actually going to do almost like back-to-back super speedways because we do know that Atlanta with the 
configuration when we headed a couple of years ago in 2022, a little bit like a mile half for Speedway. Sure. I talked to a lot of crew chiefs this week, and they say handling's still going to be an issue. Uh, it's something we're going to have to work on. But the bottom line is, it's never a bad thing to leave Daytona with a good, maybe a, but I think everybody's smart enough to know it's not going to give you an indicator, a measuring stick you're going to run as we start moving through the season. Right. I was I was wondering about that because you know Atlanta has changed so much with the repave and the banking, and it is truly driven like a, a super speedway. Um, the how does, you know, when, when a team comes to Daytona, and I, I, I'm thinking of B.J. McLeod, okay? I don't know a whole lot about B.J. McLeod other than he didn't have a sponsor sticker on his whole car. Uh, you know, he ran pretty good in the duels. Now, when he doesn't make the race and, you know, he goes home, how, how badly does that affect him? Or is the fact that he had a good showing in the duels, does that help him out? Because the duels are probably more realistic to the rest of the racing of the year. Yeah, I mean... You certainly know that you're only racing against half the field in the dual race on right. Thursday night. It's not like the entire field like we had in the Daytona 500. You know, I don't know how many races BJ plans on running this year. Uh, I think regardless of not making the 500, they should be very proud of what they showed up at Daytona and accomplished because he, he was running inside the top five. Oh, Qualifying, yeah. Obviously, they were way off, uh, but as we always know, when you line them up to race at a Daytona or a Talladega, it kind of becomes the equalizer. And he did a phenomenal job for 90% of that race. And at one time I said, this guy not going to race his way into the Daytona. He looks like he might be a contender to win this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, financially, it's, it's a hit because he was there as an open team. And when you make the Daytona 5, it, it, it's a pretty good purse just to make the 500. If you finish dead last on Sunday, it's still a good chunk of change. Not sure how much BJ had put that into his budget of making the 500. We're going to walk with a pretty good purse from that. But I think regardless, though he was disappointed, I was disappointed because it's kind of one of those feel-good stories if he could have made the 500. Yeah. But they should be very proud to show up in the way they did in that door race on Thursday night. On, a, on Sunday or on Monday... Excuse me. On Monday, what did you? Uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, the caution coming out um, at the last lap from a crew you know, a crew chief's perspective? You know, we had a race where we only had five cautions. It's kind of unusual for a 200 lap, 500 mile race uh, at Daytona. Heck, I think the end of last year, we maybe had three or four cautions at the end because we ended up running three overtimes. It was one of the longest Daytona 500s that we've ever run because of all the laps that got added. Because the caution kept coming back out. Right. You know, we had that caution very early, about lap six or seven, for five or six cars there on the front stretch. And went back racing, I think about 11 or 12. Other than the stage ends of stage one and stage two, we never had another caution until seven or eight laps ago. And, of course, that was for the big wreck on the back stretch that involved about half the field. Yeah. Now, the energy... And the intensity of the race throughout the entire race, to me, was over the top. These guys were three wide, six, seven, eight rows deep almost the entire race. But you know, that checkered flag is getting close. You can just see the energy and the 
intensity ramping up. It's like a rubber band that just keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter. I was just about to go on air with 10 to go and give, as I do every week, trends of the race. And trends of the race says at Daytona with this next-gen car, the after the final caution is around seven laps to go. And lo and behold, that's exactly yeah. what that Perfect. Um, and I was glad they did the red flag that last 15 minutes because that allowed them to do a good job of cleaning back up and giving the fans green flag rather than just running under caution. I was surprised we made it three laps without the caution. We went back race four laps. And, you know, as I've told a lot of people this week, uh, the last thing NASCAR wants is to have a race end under caution. Correct. It's in the interest of the sport if it runs out under green. But you know what? The rule is, and maybe it's a rule that needs to be looked at, but the rule is once the field has seen the white flag, the next flag ends the race. In the perfect world, that's a check flag. But unfortunately, when you've got a car that hit the wall and comes back up the racetrack, they have to throw caution. You know, they'd rather be beat up for throwing the caution then throwing the caution and somebody be sitting in a race car injured needing attention. And it's not what we want. It's not the perfect world. In the perfect world, we want to see every race come down to green flag, checker flag. Sure. But from a standpoint, bud, you know, they did what they had to do. The field had taken, the leader had taken the white flag, barely, but it had taken the white flag. And the rule is flag ends the race and unfortunately that ended up being a caution. That rule, the, the rules are the rules. Is there, is there any way they could have thrown a red flag? Well, they, you know, they'd already thrown the white flag. So right. it didn't okay. matter. The white flag had been displayed and the rule is once the white flag, the leader has taken the white flag, That's... the next flag ends the race. You know, maybe they could take a look at, I don't know, the, I, I'm sure they're always having discussions. Maybe they would say, you know, we, we will re-rack them in maybe one in one lap, right? Uh, yeah. which is a recipe for pumping a lot of race cars up. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. if our owners would embrace that, yeah. but, you know, they, they adhere to the way the, the procedures are, and the biggest thing is when you have a car that hits a wall and it ends back up the track, they have their own safety, and that's throw, throw the caution flag. Uh, we've got some track and schedule changes. Uh, what do you think of the number of short tracks Super speeder, speedways, intermediate tracks, and road courses on the schedule. Do you think they've got the ratios right? I, th- I think we got a good mix. I-, I think we were maybe flirting with maybe running too many road courses, but now we know we've left this year because we're going back to the oval up at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I, I think that's fitting considering, you know, this is the 30th anniversary of NASCAR going to Indianapolis Motor Speedway first time in 1994. I like the fact we're going back to North Wilkesboro right. the all-star race, a short track. And, you know, I'm pretty pumped up about Iowa Speedway being added to the schedule. I think that would be cool, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very cool racetrack. It's a cool area. I wasn't sure it would ever happen for the Cup Series, but I was uh, I was pretty pretty excited and glad to see it when it showed up on the 2024 schedule. Well, that's good for everybody. Can you stick around for a few minutes here? What I'm going to do is go into a, another segment, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, race at Atlanta this weekend. Are you good with that? 
You got it, bud. We'll be right here. Okay, we'll be right back here, Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk. WDUN, always here, always local. Welcome back into Bud's Garage, presented by Oakwood Tire and More, and all three locations of complete auto parts, Cornelia, Clarksville, and Gainesville. From first responders to everyday drivers, the parts, tires, and repairs for what our town drives. Continue our discussion with uh, Fox Sports' Larry McReynolds. Uh, Larry, first of all, welcome back for another segment. Yes, sir. Before the season ended in 2023, we had talked, and you said you hoped that NASCAR would just leave the new car alone for a while. I haven't seen any big changes to the Gen 7 car other than the new Mustang body, and I I don't think that has any effect on anything, really. Uh, Has NASCAR pretty much left the car alone for the season? They they have. Ford has a new body, the the new Ford uh, Dark Horse Mustang. Right. And then Toyota, they actually have a new Camry. So really the only body that had no changes whatsoever uh, is America for 2024. They did do a test out at Phoenix Mm -hmm. in early, mid-December with six drivers and teams, two from each manufacturer. Just trying to work on things, maybe make the race a little bit the mile and under tracks and there there are going to be some changes and the first race we'll see it will be phoenix in a couple of weeks uh and you really won't even notice a change i don't think uh they're going to go to a little taller spoiler on the back of the car it'll be a three inch tall rear spoiler and it's what they're calling a simple just some of the strakes on the rear diffuser uh, has been removed, and it's just simply to try to clean the wake of air behind the car up a little bit. Where a car with another car being such dirty air, and in the handling characteristics of the car change so much from clean air to dirty air. As I said, I've been in sport for 40 something years. You'll never make where a car drives the same in dirty air as it does in clean air. The, the all of physics of aerodynamics will never allow that, but they keep working trying to make it better, and uh, I don't think it's going to be any worse. I don't know how much better it's going to be, but that's the only change realistically that we've got for 24, and it's simply at the tracks one mile under and the road course. Now, this weekend we're at Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, the first of the short track super speedway races. What, what other track do we have on the schedule? I was thinking about that as I was, as I was doing notes here. What other track do we call a short track super speedway? This is what we call a hybrid. Uh, we reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway. They repaved it and reconfigured it, bud, into 2022. This will be the third season in the fifth race. And it truly races like a super speedway to a large degree now. Uh, it's a mile shorter than Daytona, but the bank is 28 degrees in turn. That's only three degrees less than what we just had at Daytona, right. the Daytona 500. They they use the Super Speedway Aero package, the big seven inch spoiler. They run the 510 horsepower tapered spacer, just like Daytona and Talladega. Uh, these guys, you'll see drafting oh, on yeah. Sunday in the sport mile race. They have the out of bounds double yellow line. You can't go below that double yellow line to advance your position. Just like Daytona and Talladega, it's a very unusual race weekend. These guys will unload, go through and qualify and race no practice what's 
driver. And I've talked to a lot of crew chiefs and drivers this week, and the big question is, you know, with another year under its belt, how much grip has that track lost from 2023? Uh, I've talked to a couple of crew chiefs, most notably Chris Gabehart with Denny Hamlin. He said they've kinda, they're kind of going down there thinking that they're going to have to work on handling a little bit won't be all about just having a fast race car. You're going to have to have a good driving race car, but honestly, I don't know that there's another track like it on the schedule just because it is a mile and a half intermediate track, but it has a lot of super speedway characteristics. I guess right now is Larry McReynolds from uh, Fox Sports. We're talking about uh, everything NASCAR because this weekend we're at Atlanta Motor Speedway where the NASCAR uh, started the season. Uh, you mentioned cool. The Coliseum was cool once, maybe twice. Pretty big investment on return, and uh, and it's in L.A. What's what's your thoughts on on that? You think we've, we're going to stick a fork in it and move on? I think it's run its course. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we've been there three years, and it seems like to me things are kind of in threes for NASCAR right now. Right. We've run three years at the L.A. Coliseum. Maybe it's time to, to move on and do something do something different. I still think we belong in Southern California. It's a market area for us, of course, for all those years to Riverside, right, yeah. Fontana, California. I don't, I don't know what the future of Fontana is. I keep hearing a lot of mixed reviews about what the forecast is for that two-mile racetrack. They're maybe going to turn it into a short track. The Bristol Dirt, we ran it for three years. It ran its course. We're going back to the concrete there in the spring, just like August race, and then the, the we talked about Indianapolis. We ran the road course three years, and now we're going back to the Oval. Uh, I'm sure my bosses at Fox will have a, a little bit of a, a say in, in where the class goes because it is a NASCAR race. But yep. I think maybe we've run our course. It's time to try something different. Well, speaking of Indianapolis, Roger Penske has mentioned a possible new series similar, similar to the Australian V8 supercars, Impossible Hybrid Power. Uh, I know David's been uh, David Reagan's been testing an electric NAS uh, Cup car. Um, what what are your what are your thoughts on on where we may go with that in the future? Well, and I, I got a first hand look at that car with the NASCAR R and D Center last month, and you, you know honestly, other than having a big wing on the back of it, you know from a distance, you'd have thought it was just a regular Cup Series car. Uh, I know, you know, after what they were able to achieve with the Garage 56 entry over the 24-hour Le Mans, right. uh, NASCAR pumped up on moving with this project. But I don't think there's any, there's only one to my knowledge that exists right now. Of course, David was supposed to turn some laps out at the L.A. Coliseum before the clash, and all the weather kind of went haywire out there. Sure. We ended up mm-hmm. racing on Saturday night. Uh, but I've heard that there's no immediate plans, and I think people don't need to get too alarmed that if this did come to fruition, that it would not replace anything that we currently have, that it would be an attention to. Sure. Uh, I know electric vehicles is a, is a thing of the future. We're all going to have to replace it eventually, but, but hopefully it will never replace what we've got right now. Uh, but I do know the, the hybrid car... I know NASCAR went over to Japan, and there there was over there, uh, and it still has a nice race car sound to it. And I think there was even one in the 24-hour Le Mans. I think that's maybe something they're looking at as well. Hmm. Well, since you've seen the car in the flesh, 
it, it just seems to be perfect, perfect marketing to me if it's a DeWalt car and it has this great big black DeWalt battery that you shove into the back bumper. Uh, it, that, that wasn't the way it was, huh? No, I, again, I, you, 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 you couldn't, other than the, the look of the wing on the back, I would have never known that it was not just a car. Now, mind you, raise the hood, very different looking. Oh, yeah. Very different looking. <laughs> but from an outside, other than a little wing on the back, I, I couldn't really tell that, that much difference we have. Well, how can folks keep, keep up with all the things that Larry McReynolds is doing uh, throughout the season? Well, yeah, I'm a very busy man. That's I know for sure, that. Especially in the Fox part of the season. But you, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter, or what we call X now, at LarryMac28, uh, Instagram, LarryMac28. The website, we're, we, we revamped it, and now we're revamping again, LarryMcReynolds.com. And, of course, uh, if it's NASCAR and it's on Fox or FS1, there's a, probably a pretty good chance uh, that I'm going to be a part of it in some capacity. I don't do truck stuff. I Once in a while, I'll do the pre-race show. And then, of course, race on FS1 Monday through Friday. I'm on it uh, on Mondays, a lot of times on Fridays. But, uh, yeah, I burn the camp both and down the middle, too, but I love everything I do. Now, Larry McReynolds, uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us here. You're a good friend of the program and a good friend overall. Safe travels the rest of the year. We'll, we'll catch up to you probably midseason and find out what's cooking. You got it, buddy. Enjoy hanging out with you, pal. Oh, man. Thanks. We'll be right back here, Bud's Garage, on North Georgia's new stock, WDUN. Always here, always local. in the Bud's Garage, presented by Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and more. From first responders to everyday drivers, the parts, tires, and repairs for what our town drives. Okay, Brad, earlier in the show, yes, sir. we were talking about driving in the rain, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's a great time to find out your wipers don't work. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I failed to mention earlier in the show that if you want vintage, period-correct wiper blades for your car, Ooh. you can go to year one. Yes. Yes, you can. Now, if you're up to date and have a modern car, you can go to Complete Auto Parts or stop by Oakwood Tire and get your wipers and your tires checked, you know, before the rain gets here. Now, do you remember the penny thing, checking your tread depth? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll run through it real quick here, but if you don't know how to do that, you know, Oakwood Tire can help you out, and they're on Atlanta Highway, 3120 Atlanta Highway. And, of course, Complete Auto Parts has three locations, Cornelia, Clarksville and Gainesville. Have you been to the one in uh, Clarksville? I have. You go not, right actually. by it to get to the I, swap meet. Yes, that's you do go right <laughs> by it to the swap <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> stop in and say uh, say hello to the guys for sure. Well, no, you take a you take a penny and you stick President Lincoln's head. And I heard that he might run as he might be uh, Donald Trump's running mate. That would be uh, couldn't do any worse than what we have. No, no, he couldn't. And anyway, let's go out of politics. Well, here. The, the, the Democrats. That's are you, you're going to go to politics. Yes. I know you are. So I just wanted to throw <laughs> that in. You take the penny, you put it in the tread, and if you can see, how's this going now? If you, you can, can see Lincoln's hair, is it his hair, or maybe his head? His just head. Yeah. Yeah. If you can see his, if you can see any of his head, the tread is getting thin. Yeah. 
you know, if his yeah. head goes all the way into the tread, you're in good shape. Yeah, which uh, I have found that to be a little uh, uh, overly cautious, I think, and mainly because, you know, when you look at you got road wear race. bars in your tires. Well, when you look at road race tires, they don't have tread on them, and they grab the pavement no, a lot that's better. A that's a different thing. Well, that's I, a different thing. All right, they're slick. They're smooth well, yeah, across yeah, the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's different. They've got <laughs> they've got grooves in them. Once you know, once it rains, they change to a rain tire. But they're a different oh, compound. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're I telling me that I, you're telling me that I am not. No, if you're looking at your tires, DIY and, racing slicks? if you're looking at your tires, you know, from the front of the car, and you can see bars going across them horizontally. Those are wear bars that are put in your tires, so in case you can't, you know, articulate a penny into the tread, you can see that, you know. And what is it when you look at it from the, the top and you can see the the crisscross bars underneath the rubber? I don't know what that is. The, the little mesh. What is that? The, the, if you see steel wire, it's time. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. All right. I've been there a few times. Okay, so what's next, Brad, on Bud's Garage? Um, well, since we mentioned politics a little bit, I thought it was very <laughs> interesting bit, yeah. that... Uh, <laughs> That one of uh, the fine representatives from the state of California. Oh no, this is this is Scott Weiner, whose jurisdiction includes named, San Francisco. Announced two bills that are intended to make California streets safer. Yes, and that's exactly how that will work because they, because more laws always make everything safer. Yeah. So what's the law that he's uh, coming up with here? He Twenty twenty-seven. Uh, he wants this on cars. He uh, <laughs> wants. The manufacturers to put in something that stops cars from driving faster than 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. What do you think, Bill? 10 miles and over an, over the speed limit? That wouldn't bother me at all. Oh, wouldn't? I only go really? five. I only go five over. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I only went 65 over in Oakwood once and learned not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is. Uh, Georgia has the, the no camping law on what? our highways. You, they, they call it campers when you get into the left lane and you just camp out. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, That's seriously? That's a law? They will write you a ticket for get not... Get out of here. I'm not kidding. They will look it up. They will write you a ticket for not... They will write you a ticket for impeding the flow of traffic if you were doing the speed limit in the left-hand lane and traffic is having to go around you around on the right. Me. Yeah. So you get ticketed for not breaking the law. Is you, what you're will get, you will get ticketed for going 65 in a 65-mile-an-hour zone if traffic around if you is going If you're impeding 80. the flow of traffic. Wow. Well, there are yeah. people that put it on, you know, cruise control and just park their brain. You know, that's the same guy that, you know, with the camper that oh, goes yeah. back and makes himself a cup of coffee because yeah. he put it on well, cruise like, control. Well, I know up in Michigan, <clears throat> my dad would, would, you know, head up from Toledo up to Detroit all the time for work because he worked for, for yeah, uh, Chrysler. Yeah. And... If you weren't, you know, if you were on 23 North and 96 and you were doing the speed limit, you were going to get pit maneuvered by your fellow traffic people. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, I yeah. mean, every, but the flow of traffic went and everybody was on the same. <laughs> pit maneuver. We, yes. I, we all had winter cars when I lived up yes, north. Yes, we did. You yep. had something like an LTD or yeah, something like something that. something big or something yeah, with we a used to, trunk we used that you throw snow in the back other of it. On the, on the back roads. So, yes. But, but now, look, it, I see there's no reason to go 100 miles an hour. But if there's a reason for me to go 100 miles an hour to save my life, I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's just me. Or, you know, I, I, I've never recommended taking somebody to the hospital. I think you should always call an ambulance. But yeah. there are a lot of people in a lot of situations. And I know people who've been in the situation where they take themselves or they take somebody else to the hospital. And 
frankly, if you've got an open road and you, oh, yeah, 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 you know, it's and what if you're, you know, what if you're emergency personnel or something like that? Well, not, exactly. not in a, in a, in a your, your regular vehicle. No, but yeah, volunteer but, firemen come to mind right away. Right. You know, they get the mic again. Growing up, my dad was a volunteer fireman, yeah. so I knew a lot of those guys, and they'd get that call in the middle of the night, and they would have to get to the fire department as lickety split as possible on, you know, middle of the road nights. Well, yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm just not sure they should put a device on your car like a, like a, uh, a speed limiter. I, I, I am. It would have to. It would have to know what the speed is, which your car already does that through the the uh, heads up display. Right. You know, it'll show you. Oh, you're in a 45 mile an hour zone. Yeah. The car knows that too. And uh, well, and the other app, the other you know thing is if once you have that technology on there, that's just a, a one more way. Well, it's one more way to keep track of you, but it's also one more way to to let your insurance company know that you might not be. I mean, there's going to be ramifications for that. Oh, yeah. Because once well, they have that technology, they're, they're going to uh, share your data, and they're going to tell you how, you know, they're going to tell your insurance company that you regularly drive nine miles an hour over the speed limit. And then your insurance company is going to look at that and go, well, you're, not, you're, oh, you're yeah. more of a risk. Well, the draft bill would not, would exempt emergency vehicles, thank goodness. Well, yeah, it would exempt, okay. I would assume that it exempts emergency vehicles. But like we just talked, then does it exempt volunteer firemen? Does it exempt the police chief in his personal car? I don't know. Does it exempt doctors? And so, well, that's what I'm thinking. Doctor, you know, in a rush to do a surgery or yeah. something like that. You don't know. There's, there's all. This stuff looks so good on paper. Uh, and then. Radio uh, announcers that are running late? Exactly. I don't think that's, yep, that's uh, that'll. Yeah. Is that is emergency personnel or essential personnel? It is around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, yes. Mr. Producer Guy. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something a little less political, maybe. Uh, n- not exactly, because uh, Akayo well, Toyota, Mr. Toyota, yes, several months ago, about eight months ago, mm-hmm. he uh, said that he wasn't, he wasn't strong on getting behind EVs. Well, he right. got demoted immediately because it upset the stockholders of the yes. company. Yeah. Uh, now that we've seen what's going on with EVs, give us the rest of the story. Uh, well... I've I've thought for years that you know, my my opinion is kind of based sort of on you know my own bias, but I've also been in the automotive magazine industry for years, and and to me they just never made sense. But I also looked at the you know the reality of it. There are over well over a billion people on the planet who rely on two-stroke motorcycle engines to get yeah. all over they Asia, live places where India, there's no electricity. And yeah, I mean you've got. There's so many faraway places, and for here, I, I, and just in us, you know, in the United States, most people don't realize how big our country is, oh, like yeah. geographically. Mm-hmm. You can drive, you know, you can drive 18 hours in Texas and still be in Texas. Yes, that's right. And, you know, the idea of driving, most people who live in metropolitan areas, frankly, they don't jump in the car and drive 12 hours to grandma's house for Thanksgiving dinner. No, no. You know, when we when I lived in Florida, we drove to Ohio every year. That was a 24-hour drive. Sure. And you're not going to do that with an EV. Yeah. Well, Mr. Toyota has realized that battery EVs and fuel cell EVs come, have to come with an infrastructure. Right. And he thinks that's yes. the way we're going to go. Well, uh, the interesting thing about Toyota is that most people don't realize they are the largest automotive manufacturer in the United States domestically they make them here and they're also the largest automotive manufacturer in the entire world correct so when that company's president says 
EVs aren't the way to go. He's speaking with a with a fair amount of knowledge. Bit of on knowledge. The yeah, that's why they put so much time and energy into their car of the year, exactly. which is a hybrid. Yes. Ah, there you go. All right. Before we leave here, we need to uh, talk about the classic car restoration folks at Year One yep. who provide our podcast every week. You download our app, Access WDUN, and you can hear this show all week long and, uh, you know, anytime you want. And it's a fantastic thing. And they also help us out with the Bud's Garage Overdrive podcast, and we thank them for that. In the meantime, we thank Brad for sitting in today for Tim. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed and, it. Uh, meanwhile, remember to keep it between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud's Garage on AM 515 FM 102.9. WDUN, always here, always local.